0: What's his name? What's his name? I got nothing on a name. Come on, baby, what's the name? out Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner here with my co-host Justin Pennick. A lot to get to today. The Judge Gettleman Pressers, Leonard Williams tagged, Kyle O'Brien hired, um, Levine toy Lilo restructured Cody core cut. We've got a good amount of news. That's why we did three episodes this week. Justin, what's
1: going on, my man? Oh, Bobby Skinner, so much to get to. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. You know, kind of in life, but also just with looking at the Giants, analyzing the Giants. You know what we do? I put that in quotes. Looking at the Giants, talking about the Giants, we definitely do that. I'm overwhelmed right now as a fan, and we'll kind of get to that when we talk about the the Judge and Gettleman pressers and kind of just maybe some of our overall thoughts before we get to specific nuggets. I'm overwhelmed. Free agency's coming up, and I can imagine the Giants' uh, front office is also overwhelmed by all of the unforeseen things that are happening right now in the NFL.
0: I think free agency is so much more stressful than the draft. To me, the draft is basically just picking players. <laughs> Free agency, it's like, even if you love a guy, it's like, well, his contract. And his it's like, with the draft, it's like, you're just a draft guy. It's like, you, you like this guy, he's out of position in need, you yeah. get him. Um, so I, I really like the I'm I'm so ready for it to be April 1st and be officially draft month. And I will, I will have so much more fun. Um, but Justin, people who are having mm. fun, you want to know who they are? Mike Misk. Uh, I don't think his real last name is Misk, but we'll call him Mike Miscellaneous. How mm. about that? Dwayne Mason. I always think of um Dwayne Bacon. Who's that? He's um a small forward. He's an NBA player. Any relation to uh, Kevin Bacon? Nope. He plays in the NBA and he's black, not oh. white. Um Kyle Girdwood. <laughs> girthwood. How Ooh. about that? Yikes change it to Girthwood. Tough. Um and then Darren uh I'm I'm assuming it's Faria, Faria, Faria. For real, Forizzle. Darren. For real. Darren Ravel. How about that? No, you don't want to be Darren Ravel. No, is no. Darren Ravel the most universally unlike person who is not like a bad person?
1: I need you to explain that to me a little slower.
0: Nobody likes Darren Ravel, even though he's not like he's not like a bad person. He's just really like weird. Like, do you remember when he posted like JFK getting shot, like like the full graphic video of it on Twitter? No, where Jackie was picking up the brains. They literally like it's. It was the anniversary of it, and Darren Ravel just posted the video of it just happening, like no warning, no, nothing. Anyway, did he um, did he
1: play in the uh, like NBA celebrity All Star game once? Probably. Cause he, I, 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 just name searched him on the internet, and one of the pictures that comes up immediately is him in a basketball uniform, and he looks very out of place.
0: No, it's probably him at the Hawks game, my a halftime um, uh,
1: show. Still, Justin, looks, who
0: are these people that aren't Dan Ravel? Who people they? We like these
1: people. Still looks very out of place, but these people are not out of place because they went to Patreon.com/slash. Talking Giants, Um, Bobby, we're going to have some exciting episodes where you definitely want to be in this live chat. Like, there is no other place that you want to be after the Giants sign a free agent or after they sign an underwhelming free agent than this Patreon chat. Because not only do you get to hang out with us and talk with us, you get to hang out with, you know, 170 other very diehard Giants fans. Um, who are subscribed to us for $2 a month, and they support us, and they also get to uh, listen and watch the shows live before everybody else. Patreon.com slash Giants. Thank you to everybody. We love you.
0: All right, Justin, we're going to start with the pressers. Um, Judge was kind of blagged Gettleman. Gettleman is always a show, whether it's good or bad. Um, I, I, there's a couple of nuggets I got out of there from Gettleman, not much from Judge besides stuff we kind of already thought or knew. What were your overall thoughts on it? Because Gettleman seemed like a little testy in a sense. Like, he wasn't as, as, like, happy-go-lucky as he was as the postseason, as, like, the the end-of-the-season
1: presser. No, January, he was bullish. (laughs) You know, January, he really did give off the vibe, like, we we just won 12 games when, in fact, they won five. And this was more of... I could sense that he was stressed. I mean, you could see him, and I'm not a body language expert, and... This is not really going to be like, oh, this is my Giants analysis and this is my Giants take. I'm going to kind of just speak as a fan right now in terms of where I'm at, kind of like I did the start of the show, but... Gettleman was rubbing his face. I mean, he had his hand, he had his head in his hands sometimes. And he, he just testy with some of the beat reporters. Like I've never heard him as testy as he was with art Stapleton when art Stapleton kind of asked a, a good question when Dave Gettleman kind of inferred and implied that the giants were going to put the tag on Leonard Williams. And then art Stapleton was like, well, it's not official yet. Are you saying it's official? And Dave just like, didn't give him an answer. And he was kind of like, kind of stern with him. Um, very very strange when we usually see Dave Guttelman either he's reserved because he knows that he's on the hot seat or he's bullish because um things went kind of better than we thought i could sense his stress and that honestly made me stress as a fan and i'm not i am not happy right now with where the giants are at in terms of their free agency. Now talk to me after the draft and I could be feeling a lot better when you look at things as a whole, but right now, pre free agency, knowing where the giants are cap wise, knowing that they just put the tag on Leonard Williams. I'm, I'm nervous. It's nervous time for me.
0: Well, this is a weird spot for them because usually this is at the combine and you have the atmosphere of the combine. You're talking about the draft and stuff. Where this is right before free agency. They haven't, they've done some moves, but they haven't done all of them. And it's like, so everything's speculative. You're not talking about a season that just went, and they've been putting in so much work for this free agency. So I get like, like you said, they are stressed right now. Like this is a stressful time I'm trying to figure out contracts and stuff. And, you know, they still, I'm sure they have an idea of what they want to do with the Solder or Zeitler and, and other, you know, other shorter, smaller contracts. But I view it more as like a, This is like the worst time ever, and it's not in its usual atmosphere for a press conference for a general manager right now. And especially one who is disliked like Dave Gettleman is.
1: Yeah, I, I would have loved if they pushed back this presser for when the cap number was going to be decided. Because really, when the cap number is solidified... And you know we're we're the you know one of the one of the guys on the beat made a good point today where it's like the cap number is at 180 right now. It's not going to be jumping up to 190 190 million dollars. If anything, they have been adding on a couple million here or there. I think as the figure updates as the offseason has gone on. Um, so it's not going to jump to 190. So it's going to be gonna around be like 183, that, supposedly. W- 183. But really, that $3 million can be the difference between Kevin Zeitler being restructured, Kevin Zeitler being released, or Kevin Zeitler just being kept, you know, that same contract. So, you know, even though it's not that much of a significant deal of the cap not being set at, you know, as it is right now, it still is a big deal. And I would have loved for everything to kind of be pushed back so more cuts can be made, more moves pre-unrestricted free agency time before all those moves can be made. I would have loved if we just pushed this back because it's like, whoa there is still so much that the team has to do before they can literally do anything else because they can't, they can't do anything else because they just put the tag on Leonard Williams, which maybe by the time that you're listening to this, it's going to be official.
0: Yeah, it's, it is official now, but it, it's pre-draft. It's, it's, you know, pre-draft post free agency. It's like, okay, we could talk about things we've done. Whereas right now it's like nothing has changed since the season ended, you know, besides adding, you know, a couple coaches and then yeah. Kyle O'Brien who we'll talk about later. So, uh, he, I mean, he was definitely a little more testy. I mean, obviously the run in with Kim Jones, which we'll talk yeah. about.
1: Can I say one thing just comparing the way Judge goes about things and the way Gettleman goes about things? And I kind of, I kind of want to hear what you have to say about this. And again, this is this is a fan. This isn't me like, oh, uh, I'm analyzing the Giants. This is me kind of just speaking as a fan. How Judge goes about like the process, and how he talks about the process, and how he talks about his attention to detail. I mean, that has shown through since day one, but it clearly is a lot different than Dave Gettleman. And I'm not saying that this makes Dave Gettleman uh, not a smart general manager or a bad general manager or a bad football evaluator, whatever. But, I mean, the proof is in the pudding that mistakes have been made on Gettleman's part, You know, no, most notably 2018. The The way he went about the process in 2018 was wrong, and that has kind of backtracked the team at least by one year, you would think. But the way that Joe Judge goes about the process, the way that he goes about even just talking about the process in front of the media, I guess this is even more of just a reflection of how much I love Joe Judge, not as much as Dave Gettleman, but it's just so impressive. And I I really do hope, and I think with the O'Brien hire, he is getting a little bit more power and control. I really do hope they they give him a little bit more, what's the word, discretion. Because he seems, he really, really does seem to have it all under the wraps, which is really cool, and it makes me feel good. Yeah, Judge
0: Judge feels like he's in control, um, and he's never gonna like uh, he's never gonna let like a, a press a press you know thing backfire on him. Yeah, where Gettleman, w- like Gettleman will, like Gettleman is gonna like make fun of computer folk, like you know, or like be like, you know, make fun of analytics people, even though they, you know,
1: anyways, we even though they do clearly use them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, which he was like, instead of him being like, hey, they're not the end-all, be-all. Like, Joe Judge in that situation was like, hey, analytics aren't the end-all, be-all. We you know, we use them, but we use a, a combination yeah. of many things. Gettleman was like, I'm going to make fun of those people. Yeah. Um, well that, I think that's the difference between the two of them. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's go with Gettleman's because there was more to, to chew off from Dave Gettleman. I thought the biggest nugget, and we'll, it'll lead into... Kim Jones was that he basically said, we are fine with letting Matt Parrott start at right tackle. Now, you know, I don't think he had the answer that the way he said though, you know, cause you know, Jordan, you know, Ron asked him like, you know, are you comfortable with those guys starting? He could have been like, yeah, but you know, we want to have someone out of that in there. Um, whether it's, you know, bringing somebody out through free agency, like he hasn't been like totally like, you know, last year they said Nate Solder struggled. Like they weren't, they didn't lie about that. Yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty telling. Of how confident he was. And, you know, we were talking about it on Monday. The more you think about it, you know, they Leonard or Matt Parrot was a a third round pick is a is a pretty decent investment. Yep. You know? So I'm after today, I'm thinking that Matt Parrot will be the starter week one. Like they'll get, you know, they'll probably get some kind of vet vet tackle, but the goal will be to have Matt Parrot starting week
1: one, you know? Yeah. Um I'm he did go with that argument of you do, you know, we invest in a third-round pick for a reason. And the whole thing of, now, you can take another tackle in this year's draft and invest in him, and then that's the whole building through the draft type of deal, right? But, you know, Dave Gettleman needs to improve his batting average. That was the thing that was said at the end of 2019. He did in 2020. And Matt Parrot is ultimately a part of that equation of a high-leverage draft pick. And is Dave Gettleman going to increase his batting average? You know, that would be a very tough pill to swallow where... If Matt pair regardless of how we felt about the right tackle spot, and regardless of how we felt about the offensive line, if the Giants chose to upgrade that spot, that would be a tough pill to swallow. To have hey, that third round pick is now just like a kind of a wasted pick. That would be a tough pill to swallow. So you always want more competition on the offensive line, but at the same time, I I do, I do like this answer. I do like it. Like give him a and, sh- give him a chance.
0: And Matt pair is a big, I think. <laughs> His, his 2021 is a big indicator of the Giants' offensive line as a whole. Like, we feel really good about Andrew Thomas and Nick Gates. Um, Shane Lemieux has to, you know, get better. But he was also wasn't a train wreck. You know, there was, there was there was a few bad reps in the past every game. But at guard, you can get away with those a little bit, you know. Um, Kevin Zeitler is the question mark. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen at right guard. Hernandez, we know who he is. You know, you can trot him out and feel okay about it. Matt Parrott really is, I think, the indicator of how you view the offensive line next season. How well does he play, and does Andrew Thomas continue his upward path? You know, there hopefully there's no like a, uh, you know, he could like Andrew Thomas could still start out next season rough, um, even though we don't think he he will. Like, I don't we don't think it'll be back to the level of 2020.
1: Yeah, and as I've said before, the offensive line gets better if teams don't blitz as as much as they did in 2020. That's, that's inevitable. That is inevitable. If, if the giants and Daniel Jones, if Daniel Jones is not the highest, most blitzed quarterback in the national football league in 2021, the offensive line is going to inevitably get better.
0: Yep. That, um, yeah. Do you think that will happen though? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, that require And this is so this is where I did get frustrated. Maybe I'll save this for the judge. But this is also just another macro big point. Maybe this will feed right into Kim Jones because um, I actually do kind of give her a little bit a little bit of credit. I was not happy with the questions that were asked to judge because it was like, oh, what did you what do you think of this specific player? What do you think of this specific coach? Like, okay, yeah, Joe Judge is very good at, like, talking people up, you know, and he's very good at complimenting his guys, which is good, which is fine. I would have loved to hear more about Joe Judge's self-evaluation process. Like, we talked about it all the time on the show. Because we're holding on to Jason Garrett, that's what we're banking on. We're banking on that self-evaluation, self-reflection process. We're banking on that in being implemented of, Hey, we need to push the ball downfield more and that will hopefully open up the rest of the offense. Um, so that's what comes I also comes think
0: B reporters to. do view that as a losing battle.
1: Cause well, no, there they, was one they, really Bobby, good
0: question asked about
1: it. They too. asked, they asked the question in January, they asked it. And then what Joe judge said is follow up with me soon. And they, you know, Dave Gellman started off his presser and I'm sure judge also started off his presser saying we finished our evaluation of the roster. Okay. So you finish your evaluation of the roster and, Ask the question that you wanted to ask. That was a very good question. You know, I I think this could easily turn into a very good, a a small, very good article. Joe judges evaluation and self-reflection of the 2020 season. Doesn't matter if it came out in January or March.
0: I thought somebody did ask something that was, I thought it was a great question. And he's just like smart, tough, um, you know, um, that fit our culture player. Like when I don't even know who it was. I think it was a news, like a, it wasn't a newspaper. It was like a, a, you know, a news station. And he's like, when you're looking at wide receivers, not talking about culture, just like, ski, like what type of players are you looking for on film? You know, he's like, what when you're evaluating the wide receiver spot, what type are you looking for? Which was a, I thought it was a great question. It's like, are you looking for that big-bodied guy? Are you looking for, you know, the Jalen Waddle type? And he was just like, smart, tough, physical. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not really what we're looking no. at. Wide, I, so. I would have liked um, to hear
1: just more vaguely about wh- where do you think the offense went wrong and, and, how, and what steps are, do you feel like you can take with your staff to improve it in 2021? Something as simple as that. After your self-evaluation process, what are those steps? And I think that maybe could have been a good answer, but he also could have deflected it, and these guys are good at deflecting stuff. So. Anyway, yeah. that's, 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 that's
0: that. So, Ken Jones asked him a very good question you know you came in and said you're going to fix the offensive line it wasn't good this past year she cited pff and like it was a good it was a good and fair question and you know i said we said it on monday i think that's my biggest gripe with dave Gettleman. is like we're mm-hmm. entering year 4 and it's still a big question mark of the offensive line and as a whole for 2020 it didn't we didn't feel good about it. so i thought it was a good question and then Gettleman was like they were young like he he was there young because they are young and then kim jones like comes back and was like, you can't say they're and, and was like not like was like basically like reprimanding him. Like, you can't say they're young if if Kevin Zeidler or Nate Soldier on the roster are you saying you're gonna keep them? And he are you're moving on from them? So it's like he's not gonna admit, even if they are moving on from them. He's like, no. She's like, well then you can't say that it's young. It's like, well, you asked about the 2020 offensive line, Kim Jones. Nate Solder wasn't a part of the 2020 offensive line, Kim Jones, even though I don't think he would have made it much better. It's like, I, Kim Jones, I can't stand her. I think she's the worst. Um, she's she, Ever since the Odell trade, I feel like she's been bitter. And listen, like I said, I thought the first question was a good and legit question. The follow-up made no sense. Who doesn't think the Giants offensive line is young? Is there anybody out there who thinks the Giants offensive line – isn't young. I mean, Andrew Thomas was 21 at the end of the season. Shane Lemieux was 23. Nick Gage, 25. First time playing the position. Like Cam Fleming was, the, you know, he'd look at a vet. He was 28 years old. And the only one was Kevin Zeidler, who was 30 years, 30 years old. And Kevin Zeidler's good. So I, I just, it was just so, it was such a weird thing for her to like fire off like that.
1: I give her credit. I really do. Cause also if you think about it, she's the national media member, right? She's not a part of a, a local affiliate. I mean, I guess for the NFL network, she does Jets and Giants stuff. I don't know what her, what her specific role is. So I think she can do that. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, why do I care if Dave Guttman doesn't like me? I have the backing of like the NFL network. So I I give her credit for standing her ground. What, <laughs> and it's tough to stand your ground when you're in the moment. You know, a lot of people like to, you know, they, they maybe like to talk about how they're tough, but she stood her ground in the moment. It was just a bad second question. It was stupid. It was a bad I think second question. Every time she, her questions almost always sucked. Well, no, she she caught. She, she honestly, she had a point to, you know, backfire in a way, but she could have really turned it to. Well, Dave, the reason why the offensive line is so young is because it took you three years to actually get pieces in here that made sense. Nate she solder should have said that right. She did not say that, but she should have said that. And I think when she quote tweeted herself to try to clarify it that's the direction where she was going and it's well it's like well Dave you signed Patrick Omame uh for to a three-year deal when that wasn't very smart you signed Nate solder and you backloaded his contract I found it to be very funny that, that Dave Guttleman talked today about the negative effects of backloading contracts well I guess he learned that from Nate solder so he made all these mistakes. they they invested in did, did they keep Eric flowers for Dave Gettleman's first year and they put tried to put him at right tackle yeah yeah so even you know even doing that as well and not getting his ass out of here because clearly that wasn't going to work so all of those things costed the Giants one year two years Nate Solder is still kicking us in the ass so I think from that point of view Kim Jones had an awesome point it's like yeah fight back on Dave Gettleman about the offensive line like there he's saying it's young but it's also taken him four years for it to actually get young yeah say that though don't be
0: you can't say that it's young if Nate Soldier's on the on, on the rolls. Like, well, you asked about the performance of the twenty twenty offensive line, which Nate Solder wasn't a part of. Like she she I mean, listen, I if there's no reason like Dave Dillman has not given you enough reason to like what he's done, like that's hundred percent fair, but I mean, we all know it stems from the Odell trade. I mean, it's 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 been clear ever since that. And even not even with Gettleman, like Shermer. When, like, asked about Josh Allen, when Josh Allen, like, like, you know, how, what was your evaluation of Josh Allen and through the drafts? Like, we thought he had a chance to be a starter and, like, turned that into, like, some huge, like, Pat Shermer's just crapping down Josh Allen, crapping about Josh Allen. It's like, what were you supposed to say? Like, uh, we full bloom loved him. We thought he was the franchise QB. We didn't draft him, though. Like, uh, Kim Jones to me is this the absolute worst. I can't stand her. Good for Kim Jones. That's all I got to say. Good for her. Girl power. She sucks. Um, Kim Jones, Matt Lombardo, Pat Leonard. And then, and that was, you know, that might have dealt with Gettleman's mood. It's like, because Gettleman, like, Gettleman clapped back and he was right. He's like, when your left tackle's 21, your
1: left guard
0: is a rookie, and your center is basically a rookie, your offensive line is young.
1: He did say, and, I love how he did say his left guard. Not, left guard. not his part time left guard. Left guard. Um,
0: and then, then the guy who runs it's like Pat Leonard. It's like, oh god, <laughs> it's just, like, it's just like a brutal, like. Uh, and then the one person, which we'll screw it. We can talk about the restructure backload thing. We can get into like the the you know the funny parts of it. The one guy's just like, can I call you an
1: old GM? it's like, that's a weird question. Like he, I, sa- I, he sounded like he was fourteen. That guy, by the way. I think wasn't hey, that hey, Steve Serby? Hey Dave, can I call you an old GM? And Dave's like, "What? What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why would you ask me that?" Um, I, mean, I, I <laughs> it was. It was weird. Like some of the, it was, like you said, it was a, one of the more weird Dave Gaddam press conferences. Yeah. Um, it's like you, you're an old GM. Can I call you old? Where it's like you know you can. <laughs> you know get was like it's like okay if
1: that makes you happy
0: it's like what is what are we
1: getting at i did at feel here? bad for him in that moment because now i don't feel bad that he's been crapped on be, for being a bad gm right i mean or let me let, or, before you get your panties tied up in a wad that i call dave gunn's a bad gm But, you know i don't feel bad for dave gunn for all the flack that he gets for having a terrible record as a gm how about that do you like that spin um i did feel bad for him in that moment where it's like this dude has just been made fun of so much that He's like, yeah. If if you want to make fun of my age, like, sure. If that if that makes you happy, go right ahead. Because um, he
0: is a punching bag for like the it's it's he, like you said. I mean, he d- he deserves uh, it. I mean, th- losing yeah, but it's not because him. of his moves. People make people are making fun of him, not his moves. Yeah, he, like like he d- and and he plays into that too. You know, yeah. he, like he has fun with it.
1: Um, um, in terms of backloading stuff, I want to get your opinions on this. I've been giving my opinions on a lot of things this episode. I think. This is kind of like the perfect year to backload stuff. Now, I don't think that there's a global pandemic coming up anytime soon, at least another one after this. So look at what the Cowboys just did with Dak Prescott. I mean, Dak Prescott just got an insane, jaw-dropping, you know, second, arguably the greatest contract of all time. Um, You know, you could say Patrick Mahomes is the greatest contract of all time, but what is that? that? That deal's a decade. So he's, that's like, he's set but dak you know dak prescott what is this basically it's basically a 4 year deal the last 2 years can be voided somehow dak prescott can be a free agent again when he's 31 years old and possibly get more money so i think for him player wise it's like the best deal ever but this year the cap hit is lower it's not that big it's it's like what is it uh, some $20 million cap hit probably it's somewhere in the middle there and then i'm sure it's backloaded from there so is is this not the perfect year to backload a contract even just slightly I Where, think he was
0: just saying it's more of his philosophy, and you don't want to get caught doing that too much, you know. Cause he's like some GMs just do it all the time, so I don't think that signals like, oh, they're they're not willing to restructure with Kevin Seidler. Um, well, I'm just I saying, hope free they, I hope they don't restructure with Solder. Yeah, I mean, but they might be forced to, you know. And I am like, you know, yeah. So I I think he was more speaking of like you don't want to get too caught up into that because eventually it, it catches up with you, which it did for um, Nate Solder. Right. <laughs> And they sort of opting out really did screw us. Anyway, we
1: we said it, we said it when it happened. I mean, it did lead to Logan Ryan. It did lead to some. It, I mean, Logan Ryan's a really good piece of this team. Um, but now we knew that this was really gonna bite us in the ass. Um, since from twenty eighteen, still living on. Um, let's see.
0: He did say something about like you know because of some guys haven't played twenty months, you might move back into the twenty twenty two draft. Uh, I don't see that happening. One, Gettleman doesn't has never traded back, and two, he is on the hot seat, so I don't see him doing that. Like I just, I just don't see, it, especially when they only have six picks. He's like, oh, we may move up. I mean, and <laughs> if they if they like move back from like eleven to like seventeen, and they got a, like a 3rd 20, round pick, yeah, I could see something like that. But I don't see him like moving out of this first round for an extra first round pick next year or anything like that. You know, they gonna move up, Bobby. <laughs> yeah um would, would, yeah, I actually would be really surprised at that funny moments um let's see I, I actually have some clips I will say we were talking about how ju- you know people make fun of Gettleman a little too much this was embarrassing like this wasn't like oh you know funny Gettleman this to me was kind of embarrassing I mean one of them one of them was um it was uh cheese and crackers it was uh the inside linebacker um from Georgia Tay Crawford uh, and um, one of them was Chris Williamson who was on the practice squad so and the other guy I'm not sure if it wasn't Cam Brown Cam Brown was a 6th but the point is those it took him 9 seconds and then it doesn't even do Tay Crowder or Tay Crawford um, Chris Williamson isn't even on the football team He's a, yeah he was like a practice squad guy and then it's like like you should that those answers should come to you pretty easy I was that was, you know, like I said, people people bash, you know, Gettleman for his Gettleman-isms. That one, to me, was a little bit embarrassing.
1: I'll give him the Sean Lemieux one. Yeah, that one's fine. That's that's, I'll that's give an accent. That that's an accent yeah. thing. At least, like, God, I hope so, but now I'm doubting it. But, come on. Like, I don't care even if he's, like, the 53rd guy on the roster. You should know your draft picks. You should know your players. <laughs> Tay Crawford,
0: you know, you realize he's never going to be called Tay Crowder again. Um, jeez.
1: The Windows one. Um, do I have a clip? Of that? There wasn't a ton of good, uh, a ton of good drops.
2: Doing Windows, yes. It yeah, was doing Windows. I, I don't, you know, Microsoft Windows is nice, but I, I'm not a window theory guy. I, I'm just
1: that was in reference to. Um, do you, do you fe- feel
0: the pressure to win under uh, Daniel Jones' rookie contract? Yes. which He's not going to. He's not going to be like, yeah. Actually, we got to get this done in three years, or we're screwed. Well,
1: I mean, and I would have, I would have liked for him to say, yeah. I mean, there there is a window of where you don't have to pay your quarterback a lot of money. I would have liked that answer. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think most GMs would be willing to say that. Like, yes, you should want to win before you have to pay your quarterback and your good players a lot of money. I would have liked that. <laughs> um, that one didn't bother me. All right, so that's that's all I've got on
0: gentlemen. You want to move on the judge real quick?
1: Yeah, let's move on to judge.
0: Now the the things I liked, he said, look, like, we're doing league studies and we're pre- like we're having coaches present presenting, which I've always said, like if you're if you're an, a coach in the NFL and if you're not going and watching stuff from other teams and stealing stuff from them, you're a bad coach, like yep. you are a flat out bad coach if you if you're not doing that. Um, so I like that, and you know, stealing stuff from the college game. I thought those those were two very interesting points, and it's something I've expected out of those guys, and. And we've seen it with the way Patrick Graham has called his defense. And then he had the passing league quote. I want to I want to do the passing league quote because he was actually more talking about um, the Giants' defense in the
2: draft. Well, look, it's a passing league. I mean, truly it is. I mean, the, you have to be able to stop the run to be effective on defense. But when you look at the guys getting paid the most money, it's obviously the quarterbacks. It's a passing league. So when you talk about the pass rush, it, it can never be just one player. You have to have depth in that, those positions. And it has to come from multiple areas. So, to me, the improvement of the pass rush as you know the year went on last year was a combination of uh, the improvement made up front with the defensive line, the outside linebackers in our pass rush games, and then also on the back end with the way the defensive backs improved and the coverage on the back end to give them more time to get to the quarterback. You know, nothing really happens independently of each other. If the coverage isn't sound, you can't have a pass rush. You know, if the pass rush isn't sound they got to cover for a long time, and all of a sudden that ends up not being really in your favor. So really I saw the improvement of the defense as a whole, and that's what we have to really go ahead and keep emphasizing is making sure that all three levels, the DBs, the linebackers, and the defensive line continue to improve within our schemes, and then we have to make sure that we use
0: guys. So a bunch of nothing answers after that. Um, but essentially talking about what their defense was and what it really was. It's like, hey, we trust our defensive line to stop the run, and our linebackers and DBs are focused on the pass. Um, And we've seen they do innovative stuff, whether it's bringing a safety down to fit in the run game, you know, using their corners in the run game, um, you know, where it's and you know, within um, what Mark Schofield just did a wrote an article about some stuff and the Giants were doing a ton of it um, of how to stop the big play in the passing game. And I, you know, that's what um, Judge was talking about. He was like, hey, like we, you got to have someone, people who can get to the quarterback
1: it's not even just how the Giants defense operates. I think it's how any good defense operates really in the NFL today. I mean, I've talked about it time and time again, you know, you're, you have quarterbacks that are mostly averaging, releasing the ball in the range of 2.6 seconds to 2.7 seconds. Their time to throw. It's not even their time in the pocket, which your time to throw is usually more than your time in the pocket. Because if you have plays where you're scrambling, you're improvising, yada, yada, yada. So your time to throw is between 2.6 and 2.7 seconds on average. So, how do you expect when you have pretty good, decent offensive linemen in front of you, too? You know, pro caliber offensive linemen in front of you. How do you expect your edge rushers and your pass rushers and your defensive line to get there consistently and to get home consistently in 2.6 and 2.7 seconds? The way that you expect them to get home consistently is when you have good coverage on the back end. And of course, you know Judge is never going to come out and say, "Yeah, the coverage on the back end is more important than the pass rush." But the fact that he emphasized it so much is a thing that I like, and it clearly is the thing that Graham values. Clearly is the thing that Judge values, and it's clearly the reason why the defense was successful this year, and the reason why they weren't successful under James Betcher because their coverage was so bad, because they were allowing explosive plays, so it didn't even allow the pass rush to have any opportunity where the quarterback's holding onto the ball for slightly above average time.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that's the way the NFL is moving is, you know, like the elite pass, I I, I still do think an elite pass rusher is more uh, valuable than an elite corner. Um, but f- like the league is like, hey, you can't have elite pos- players at every position, you know, elite pass rushers and elite corners are both hard to come by. Yeah. It's like, hey, like we're not going to consistently get to the QB, um, especially in the playoffs where offensive lines are, are probably a little better. So we need to you know we need to give our guys a chance and and really work on the coverage and that's what that's just the way the NFL is moving yep. now joe judge move that to your offense let's let's turn our offense into it's a passing league that's that that would be my critique let's turn our offense into it's a passing league
1: you know i agree but a lot of people oh Saquon's back it's give given the ball 23 24 25 times a game which?
0: Saquon should be so mu- used so much in the receiving game, and I was—I you know—I was doing my running back preview video on free agency. You know, in week one, Saquon had more receiving yards than any Giants running back had, like combined, had yeah. for a, a single game. Yeah, I was blown away. It's not like you know, been I mean, one thing if Saquon had like hundred sixty receiving yards or a hundred plus, and it's like okay, well, you know, that might have ended up being his best night of the year. I thought that was pretty interesting. They have to. Saquon has to be such a big part of the passing game. And not just checkdowns. Like, this play is designed to go to Saquon. So, yeah. I mean, and that just, and that makes it easier for when you do hand it off to the kid. He's going to be able to not just have the big runs, but to get those consistent four, five, six yard carries too. You know, where it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to remove the mindset from Saquon to have big plays. I want to make it to where he can have that mindset and still get those five, six yard plays. Like, I don't want him, I don't want Saquon to have Wayne Gallman's
1: mindset. No. No, I I agree. That that is where hope <laughs> maybe it's going to be a blessing and a curse that he's not as explosive when he comes back from his ACL injury. At least in the first year, the second year I think he's going to be like back. Um but the first year he may not be as explosive, so he may have to force himself to go through that mental change of more often than not I need to take what is in front of me, which in a way this Jason Garrett offense is centered around taking it, taking what is in front of you. And sustaining long, long, exhausting, boring drives. Should we take a break?
0: Do you want to take a break or do you just want to move on?
1: Well, let's take a break, but we have um we have something well, to read. You know what?
0: Uh we we are gonna take a break. You wanna know why, Justin?
1: Why? Because it's that time
0: of year again. Conference tournaments are tipping off. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid while the top seeds are preparing for what they hope is a long run. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $4 on an underdog and win $256 if they win. It's that simple. Simple Man Radio. That's bet $4 on an underdog and and select college basketball games, and if they win, you collect $256. The bank is open. Bank shot... Pick one of many uh, select college basketball underdogs for your shot at winning $256. All it takes is a $4 bet. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on golf, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to turn $4 into $256. if The underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That's code JOHNBOY to turn $4 into $256 for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana. 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, so Which we're gonna do a talking giants um, turny thing. Where well, I think in first place um, gets a shirt, mm-hmm. second place gets a coffee mug, and third place gets stickers.
1: Nice mugs we got.
0: Our mugs are really awesome. You know, I don't, I don't, um, I don't front on that type of stuff, but I do think our mugs are pretty awesome.
1: Sip, gurgle, 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 gurgle.
0: Cheers. Um, Leonard Williams, Leonard Williams franchise tag, $19.35 million. All the reports are saying that they're going to get a long-term deal done. This is just kind of a placeholder. So, um, that's pretty interesting. I don't see him settling for anything less than a nineteen million a year average annual value. <laughs> I, I don't think we knew Leonard Williams was going to get tagged, but I think me and you both were pretty confident Leonard Williams was going to be a part of this Giants team.
1: Yeah, I... P- we certainly hoped that a long-term deal would be done. But also, why not? I mean, if, you, if you're Leonard Williams' agent, oh my god. I mean, it, Leonard Williams... He's in the best situation ever. <laughs> Leonard Williams could be swimming in uh, Puerto... Where was he? Puerto Rico? Costa Rica?
0: Puerto Rico.
1: Per, Puerto Rico. You could be swimming in Por, Puerto Rico and... Gigantes. He can just be having <laughs> a ball of fun because he knows that the Giants have screwed themselves Um, and why not? I mean, of course, we were hoping and we were rooting for a long term extension being, you know, done before. But I think we knew, you know, I think I, you know, not only because I have a personal bias to Leonard Williams, but I think we also just knew because of what the Giants did to acquire him and then to also keep him for the 2020 season that there was very little chance that he was just going to walk. Um, and just, okay, bye. See you later. Um, (laughs) so I have something to say. Um, about the value of Leonard Williams now of course is he worth 19 20 million dollars you know what probably not Bobby it, it, c- can you replace Leonard Williams uh yeah you can literally replace any player um you know even quarterback unless if, unless you have an absolutely elite quarterback yes is every position kind of replaceable yes you can make that argument okay but Leonard Williams is a good football player and I even think throughout his eight games in 2019 He proved that he is a good football player and he deserves to be paid. Would $19-$20 million be overpaying? Yes, but this is what happens when you re-sign players who are coming out of their rookie deals, which Leonard Williams is. ESPN um, Stats and Analytics released a new metric today. That metric is called expected sacks. So you know I love expected completion percentage. You know I love uh, rushing yards over expected. So what this... Stat and metric measures is what position these uh, edge rushers, defensive linemen, uh, front seven guys play, what positions they play, the double team rate, down and distance, a sack on a third and 19 isn't going to mean as much compared to a third and five or a first and 10, right? Um, what the season sack rate of the quarterback he facing was um, a, a sack on Drew Brees where he gets rid of the ball very quickly is more valuable than a sack on Daniel Jones on third down since the offensive line was bad and the Giants are a very highly blitzed team um, what the teammates are doing around him. So the, the how often the teammates are winning. So all of that stuff, you know, I, I may make a video on that, on that metric and stuff like that. I'm going to, I'm going to have a lot of fun with it. So, they did, they they talked about Leonard Williams in the in the initial article. No double digit sack player had fewer expected sacks. It is a reason to be more bullish on Leonard Williams' future. Meaning Leonard Williams had a single digit, I believe the number was six and a half expected sacks this season. He got eleven and a half sacks based upon the production of his teammates around him, his own double team rate, and the position that he plays. He's good.
0: So, is he the best pass rusher in the NFL with those numbers?
1: I I don't think you can make that conclusion. I know. (laughs) I'm
0: joking. But here's something. Because, you know, obviously there's always talking points. um, And it's like, well, Leonard Williams, he's only had one good year. One. That's such a horrible take. It's not true. Like, last year's half sack year was the anomaly. He's gotten sacks. Now, like I said, this year was a career year. um, You know, whether it's QB hits. But, I remember bringing up these stats when the Giants traded for Leonard Williams. So when this is only when he was with the Jets um, and I I got these, I remember PFF, um, I still hate you PFF, but they can like PFF can track numbers, you know, it's not going to use their grades, but they can track numbers. So when the Giants traded for him, tackles for a loss among, uh, among interior defenders since 2016, he had 43. That was third highest in the NFL. This, and basically, first for all these categories was Aaron Donald. Run stops among interior defenders. Third, 97. um, And then, percent of run tackles have gone for a loss or known gain. Second, at 38.7%. Leonard Williams was really good before this. He just didn't live up to his draft slot for the Jets as a top five pick. Which, you know, you get drafted there, you're expected to beat Aaron Donald. That's the way he was talking about coming on the draft. And he, his sacks fluctuated a little more. So... This idea that Leonard Williams just got good this year, to me, is ridiculous. And Like, oh, well, it's just a contract year. It's like, you know who else was a contract year? 2019 was a contract year for Leonard Williams, and he had a half a sack. And then also, it's like, well, Dalvin Thomason is the one to make him good. Dalvin Thomason, and this was a talking point we had last year in 2019, or maybe, I don't know if you did, but me and Danny did, is Dalvin Thomason took off. Dalvin Thomason started being like a highlight of our defensive film like studies, when Leonard Williams came in, Leonard Williams unlocked Dalvin Tomlinson more than Dalvin Tomlinson unlocked Leonard Williams. Now, does Leonard um, benefit from having Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin and, you know, and and having Blake Martinez and a good uh, DBs behind him? Yes. But guess what? He's going to have all that. And he's much harder to replace than what Dalvin Tomlinson does. Doesn't mean you're going to get some, doesn't mean, up oh, we're just going to get an easy replacement for Dalvin Tomlinson. But Leonard Williams is so much more important than Dalvin yeah. Tomlinson.
1: that's what it comes down to, Bobby. That that's really what it comes down to is the fact that Leonard Williams is harder to replace than Dalvin Tomlinson. I think if you're, you know, just saying this from a Jets standpoint, if you're going Goo Goo Gaga over Quinnen Williams right now, let's just say Quinnen Williams is one of the most was one of the best run defenders in National Football League. I don't know how he is as a as a pass rusher. I don't think he produces in that regard. So the same people that maybe want to talk about how good Quentin Williams is. Quentin oh, Williams
0: sucked last year.
1: W- last year meaning 2019? 2019, yeah. Sorry. Okay. So, I mean, that was also his rookie year, I'm pretty sure. So, right. Um, neither here nor there. You have to overpay for good football players that produce. And even if Leonard Williams, in your brain, only produced for one year, he did produce. And you can't let that production walk out the door knowing what the Giants have at edge (laughs) and what what are they who is going to get to the quarterback if Leonard Williams doesn't this year you can Bobby I know you can answer with oh you know maybe have a combination of Kyle Van Noy and Dalvin Tomlinson Kyle Van Noy has never even put up close nowhere even near the stratosphere of what Leonard Williams did in 2020 nowhere ever
0: no but I could see the argument of keeping Dalvin and Kyle Van Noy, like those two working together and also being like, you know, we don't expect Leonard to have 11 and a half sacks yeah. every Then, you're, year then you're talking. So like, I mean, say you're expecting that eight, like you Kyle Van Noy and Dalvin Thomas and Wilkin both put up eight together.
1: You I know mean, but saying? then you're, you're talking about really relying on your back end, like really relying on your back end because it's, it's not just a matter of, okay, Leonard Williams may get coverage sacks, but guess what? He'll eventually beat his guy kind of tough to do even in the nfl the d- d- point to me the giants player that
0: cover sack is the worst term in the nfl which right we've now. we've talked about that
1: let's we've watch everybody
0: that. who gets double digit sacks watch let's go through every single one of them yeah it's the worst term in the nfl right now is coverage sacks it's
1: it's the most annoying thing in the world because the like, nfl is turning into coverage sacks which i pointed I, I literally laid out the reason why the NFL is turning into coverage sacks earlier in the show because quarterbacks have the tendency to release the ball very quickly, and when they don't, that is when your pass rush has to produce and get home. But you know, we've we've had an off season, we've had a year full of wide. Marcus Skulls Skulls and only
0: gets coverage sacks. Like we had the worst coverage in the NFL. So, bravo to him <laughs> that every time the coverage was halfway decent, he got a sack. Yeah. Um. Now, what sucks with Leonard Williams, and the and the real criticism is he had all the bargaining power in the world, Gettleman. Trading for him midseason did screw the one, forget, even get the draft picks. You lost all leverage, and you already had a half a sack, and you could have gotten Leonard Williams on a much more affordable deal than this. Yeah. If they just signed him in free agency, there's, you know, they probably get him for, you know, 11, 12 mil, you know, max. Um, And now we're talking about 20 mil. So that's where, you know, there is a very real criticism of Gettleman for that, is they gave Leonard Williams so much bargaining power. When he had his worst statistical year, even though he's still a good player, and then now he has his best season, it's like well, obviously now he has all. Now he has even that much more bargaining power. Yeah. And like you said, you can't let that kind of, that player go. Yeah. Um,
1: Stinks. So. It's a, it's the Nate Solar situation is a lose lose situation. Kevin Zeitler situation is a lose lose situation. And unless Leonard Williams can continue the production that he put up in 2020 or somewhat similar to it. That will also be a lose-lose situation.
0: Well, if if Leonard Williams has seven sacks, it's regression. No, people, don't, that's another word that gets used totally wrong. Regression.
1: If you have seven and a half sacks or seven sacks after coming off an eleven and sack, half sack season, but you have a similar number of QB hits and pressures, it's not regression. You no, you are continuing regression,
0: having worse stats from one year to the next, isn't regression? Okay, is he? Is
1: it worse as a player or the? Anyways. Well, no, no, regression. I think regression is player performance. And sure, even if he, let's say, even if he gets 25 QB hits and three sacks, do I count that as a down year? Yes, because if you're going to get paid this money, you need to get home. But if it's the difference between seven sacks and 11 sacks, but you're still putting up the consistent pressure, I mean, look at what Shaq Barrett did this year. Shaq Barrett had nowhere near the sack total that he had this year, but Giants fans would be willing to pay a, a mountain, you know, anything to get Shaq Barrett on this football team but his two production, good years for Shaq Barrett <laughs> it, but his but his production was very different this year compared to 2019 so it's just very backwards people people like to hate on now it, it is it's a terrible situation but hate on the leonard williams trade and deal and situation for the right reasons not for the wrong reasons because a lot of people are saying the wrong reasons right
0: all right um Let's we we are at forty eight minutes, so let's let's get through the rest of this news. Yeah, um, Levine Toyolo restructured from two point nine five mil to one point six mil, which you know saves the um you know one point three five mil uh, six hundred fifty thousand of his guaranteed. I was blown away at the reaction to this, like people are like this guy barely plays. Like you, we run three tight end sets, the second most in the NFL. Yep, like he twenty people are like he only plays twenty seven percent of the snaps. Like you realize how much that is. For a third tight end, and they did a lot of two tight end sets with just him and Caden Smith. Levine Toilolo is a good blocker. Now he's not like a, you know, he's not Trent Williams out there, but he's a good blocker. And you're like, you're not going to find a better one for him in free agency for the minimum. If you want to save, if like, I couldn't believe the, the, the outrage over this. We're talking
1: about six hundred thousand dollars. It's not stopping the Giants from doing anything. Does this also mean? that so $650,000 of the new deal is guaranteed, right? Yeah. And then he signed for what's the new total? 1.6 mil. So would the Giants save $1 million if they were to cut him right uh, tomorrow? I think so, yeah. So the Giants can still cut him and additionally save $1 million with only a $600,000 cap hit. Now that's at least how I think it works. As of you know, as of right now, from what we're hearing, you know, the guaranteed money is what you're guaranteed, and if you're and that you're automatically given that, and then the rest of your cap hit is if you live out the extent of that deal. So
0: Somebody has who? to be the third tight end. Yeah. And I'm not gonna be mad that they spayed six hundred thousand dollars more than the minimum when they actually use it. Like they use their third tight end a lot. Right. A lot of people twenty seven percent of the snaps for third tight end is a lot. Yeah, a lot they of do people do it the second most in the NFL.
1: A lot of people were pointing to the fact that he only had, like, what, five catches this past year? Um, yeah,
0: I mean, that's not what you brought in. Like, that was – like, I don't – I didn't – I could care less if he had one catch. Yeah. Um, his, his catches weren't even – like, they were just – they were purely scheme, you know, where he was left open. And, and he becomes even more valuable because Saquon's the guy you do want to get on the outside, where Goleman and Morris weren't. Um, so, he even becomes more valuable. So, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, this is great news. And then I was like, wait, people are – like – why are people mad at this?
1: I think we said at one point on this show that we were expecting him to get cut and it was kind of clear cu- and it was kind of clear cut no pun intended that he was going to be released.
0: Well, we knew he wasn't going to play at that contract. Right. Correct. Which correct, if they correct. kept him at 3 million a year it's like okay, that's a lo- like that's too much of a luxury.
1: Which yeah. I didn't think that because of the kind of low contract to begin with, I didn't think that they would restructure. it. I thought they would just flat out cut him. But now looking at oh it's it's there's literally such minimal, minimal risk of keeping Levine Toilolo on the team. I mean I mean odds are if they draft a player or if they go out and they sign another like, oh, here's this random tight end that we don't know about and we have to look into and we're gonna get overly excited for, I would rather have this where Yeah, I don't a- want to
0: pick a six round. Like we shouldn't go into the sixth round and be like, we need to get our third string. tight Like we know what you do in the sixth round. Get whichever player we think is the best. Yeah. Not trying to fill a need, you know? And it's like people like six round tight ends. You know what they usually turn into? Worse than the vine toy Lolo. It's like,
1: yeah,
0: (laughs) you know, so, um, and the same goes with backup QBs. Like we'll develop a six round QB. It's like, like, you know, six round QBs. They're lucky to turn into Colt McCoy. The giants cut Cody core two mil, doesn't save two mil because of the whole, you know, top 51 rule. Um, so it saves about like 1.3 mil. But uh, I think me and you have a similar mindset. I got no use for wide receivers that are only special teams guys. Unless oh. they're the greatest special teams player of all time. And it's coming back from an injury too. So I, there is, they are supposedly like looking to bring him back into camp if they can get him on a minimum. So there's that. But paying him two mil a year to me. That you know that that was, that was one. If they like if they kept Cody Corb and like, what's the point of this? You know is he that good on special teams coming back from a torn ACL? Which please don't bring back Nate Ebner either.
1: Opens up number seventeen for um Jalen Waddle.
0: Waddle. Let's make it happen, baby. Jalen Waddle had like the fastest forty time I think out of all the forty times.
1: And they also did uh wait I I uh, I bookmarked this. This is from, I, I love the GPS data because, yeah, you know, a lot of people that, you know, oh, the 40 yard dash doesn't mean anything. Dave Gettleman even dropped the line of, uh what, uh, Olympics and underwear today? Uh, underwear he, Olympics. Underwear Olympics uh, when he was talking about the combine. So GPS data, next gen data, which tracks, you know, player tracking data when players are in pads, which is what people care about, right? Um, Alabama Jalen Waddle uh, posted the best play speed of any wide receiver in the country this year. There you go.
0: Speed kills, baby.
1: What other cuts were made? There was one more.
0: That was it for cuts, but we did hire Kyle O'Brien. Ah. Hired Kyle O'Brien. They made a new role for him, the senior personnel executive. I'll go through his resume real quick. Spent the last five years with the Lions, one year as um, player personnel in 2016, and then the last four years as the vice president of player personnel he was with the Jags from 2013 to 15, director of college scouting. The Chiefs in 2012 as a scout. And then he was with the Patriots for from 2002 to 2011 doing a, a bunch of things. So no crossover with anybody on the Giants staff or anybody, but an interesting hire. You know, the Lions let go of him. They felt the need to bring him in. It's something I do like about Judge, though, is he almost feels – now, I want to pump the brakes a little bit on comparisons, but you know how like Nick Saban is like coaches that are looking for like a new start you know it's like where they were once well renowned people and they go to Alabama and kind of get their stuff back on track and get head coaching jobs it kind of feels like Joe Judge is like that he's like just come come coach here we'll find a role for you whether it's Jeremy Pruitt whoever yeah Pruitt that's Pat what i like we'll, we'll find a role for you we'll let Kitchens. you be part of it and um and 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 then go on so Garrett <laughs> sh- um sh- sh- shush up <laughs> Nancy um now, he did uh, was a part of drafting Kenny Galladay and Alan Robinson. How about that? How about that? And Gerard Davis, who I think is actually maybe a, a good linebacker, uh, uh, free agency acqui- uh, acquisition, if you can get him for the right money. Uh, and he's a Harvard guy. God, to have it.
1: We want to get smart people in the building. Um, The most interesting thing about this hire, well, there's two things that I have. The Giants just keep on creating positions for people, and I love it. Is there is there a cap to like, how many people you can have on a coaching nope. staff? No. Nope. I don't think how so. How come we've never done this before with bringing in people?
0: Because we never had Joe Judge before.
1: I mean, I'm sure Coughlin did. I'm. I'm. I. I didn't. You know. I definitely was not following the team as religiously as I am right now. You know, with Coughlin. But I definitely know for a fact under McAdoo, definitely Shermer. Sher- Shermer never brought in like all these people. Shermer probably didn't even have the league connections. Um, Schumer, like brought in nobody in year two, which is bizarre, for especially for his defense. Um, the second thing is Kyle O'Brien has never worked for the Giants in his 19-year career. But obviously, he's worked with Judge before. I mean, that's the obvious thing. But he
0: hasn't worked for Judge. He with has Judge. not. No, he's they didn't with, cross over in New England.
1: They did not cross. I thought they were. I thought they. I thought they evaluated talent together in New
0: England. No. He, he, Judge came in in 2012. Oh. And then he left New England in tw- 2011. So he has no connection with anybody, really. Besides Mike Francesa.
1: Because he looks like him and he has the same hair?
0: He does have good hair. um. But his, like, his, either his father or his grandfather was, like, a frequent guest of the Mike and the Mad Dog show. Oh.
1: Well, his grandfather.
0: Which I watched that 30 for 30 last night.
1: Here's the connection to the Giants. His grandfather was like a was like a trainer or a doctor for the team. That's the connection. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what it was.
1: So, um, but I, I don't consider that to be like a, oh this guy's a giant guy. I do think he's more of a Joe Judge guy. I mean, just because of the Patriots rather than like a Giants a ties with the Giants guy. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I that's significant.
0: Think Judge probably rang Belichick's line and, and and asked some questions about him. Um. So yeah, I. I this is a this is kind of a why not thing. I'm, we're not going to give some crazy analysis and go through each draft and be like, this is you know this is the one because you know what we do would be like these are like he's all for the Kenny Gall and Alan Robinson, but he didn't. Th- how involved was he in this bad pick? Uh, well, so. but
1: it, it is significant when you're thinking about again power structure within the organization. You know how much sway is Joe Judge having? You know, pr- creating all these different positions. Um, and now even bringing in a front, a guy that he probably has more ties with than, than Dave Guttelman and the fact that this is a front office position, I think that's 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 big in terms of the sway that he has within the organization. Judge, yeah,
0: we all. I I just I don't know enough to say that. Um, well, I do. <laughs> all right, all right, Mister Insider. Um, you know these contracts, they they're hard to figure out. All right. Oh, and they also hired Drew Wilson from Colorado as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. Colorado players in the draft defensive tackle, Mustafa Johnson. Great great name, honestly. Mm. And wide receiver KD Nixon. Um Mufasa. So, so keep keep an eye on those two names. KD Nixon is probably more of an undrafted free agent guy. And then Mustafa. That's I mean that's that's an amazing name. Um so check check so keep your eye out for those two guys. That's it. Done. That's it. Let's keep this episode under now. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday for whatever news happens and our Madden Twitter GM free agency plans, which I'm sure everyone will pick apart, but I'll pick you. Are we apart. doing that on
1: Friday or do we have to push that to Monday because we just don't know what's going to happen?
0: We're doing it on Friday. Oh boy. We're not having an episode on Monday. Whew. Doing it. We're doing it live. Just don't take it too serious. Um, Just be like this is more. This is an idea of what I want to do. All right, appreciate you guys. See you on Friday. Until then, let's go big blue.